Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we are talking hacker live streaming 51% attack on Bitcoin private. We have confirmation of a Coinbase veteran, Adam White, joining ISIS crypto platform backed. Bitcoin whales aren't that scary, according to Cointelegraph. And then finally, in our main topic, we're discussing blockchain future. That's right. We're getting back to the basics. We're getting back to the blockchain future. Part two, Thriller Podcast, starting now. gentlemen and welcome back to another episode of thriller podcast it's october 15 2018 it feels so good to be back let's jump into the news hacker live streams 51 attack on bitcoin private so according to ethical hacker geocode he followed through on his promise on october 13th with a 51 attack on bitcoin private he even live streamed it he promised he would do the 51 attack and he proved how easy it was over 750 viewers were tuned in and the likes of Jackson Palmer, that's right, live tweeting the spectacle when Twitch suddenly pulled the plug. That's right. They pulled the plug. He he unexpectedly went ahead and was off for a little bit. A lot of people were reporting that the report button was used and a lot of people were trying to DDoS his account. So... Jackson Palmer took to Twitter and he says, I have to say it is very interesting to be sitting around on a Saturday afternoon watching someone demoing a 51% attack while other people attack his IP address. Very crypto, very 2018. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. He, he even returned uh, via stream.me a half an hour later. He lasted a little over 15 minutes before the same thing happened. And uh, he wasn't trying to steal any money. He was just proving how easy it is to do a 51% attack. Of course, this was covered by everybody on crypto Twitter. And uh, he said that he got banned from two streaming platforms fairly quickly. He said he's going to try to find a platform where I can be assured report spamming won't work. If not, I'll just post a video on YouTube. But attack wise, we got 70% of Bitcoin private's network and I was about to fork it. Damn. Next up, we have Microsoft. So Microsoft is releasing a white paper describing decentralized ID system. Microsoft has released a white paper describing a blockchain-based decentralized identification system. The system is specifically designed to manage the digital identities of individuals. Microsoft's engineers are still working out the technical details of a decentralized ID system that can include multiple blockchains. Now, according to Microsoft's white paper, it sums up digital identities in the following way. Each of us needs a digital identity we own, one which securely and privately stores all elements of our digital identity. The self-owned identity must seamlessly integrate into our lives and give us complete control over how our identity data is accessed and used. Of course, Microsoft isn't the only company in this space trying to do this. We know of Showcard as well. We also know of Civic. And Civic has even launched an app that promises to eliminate most KYC related headaches to the end user by making it possible to upload identifying documents to its system. 
Once Civic can verify its users' identities, those users can then pass the KYC-related barriers to entry with organizations that partner with Civic. It sounds like a great way. I honestly think that this is going to be something that's going to be done by the end of the decade for sure. Next up, we have Confirmed. Confirmed. That's right. Coinbase veteran Adam White joins ICE's crypto platform backed. So if you don't know this, the former head of institutional products at major U.S. crypto exchange Coinbase, Adam White will be joining Intercontinental Exchange's forthcoming platform backed according to a Medium post published today, October 15th. Now, he will be joining as Chief Operating Officer this November. The news confirms unofficial reports that had already been circulating last week and was previously reported by Coindesk. But what's interesting enough is Adam White was the fifth ever employee joining in 2013 to Coinbase. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, himself and the other founders were still working out of a one-bedroom apartment and Bitcoin was trading around $200. It's crazy to think that he's come so far in such a short amount of time, but I think everybody in this industry has as well. Next up, we have Fidelity. That's right. They become the first Wall Street firm to launch a crypto branch trading desk. So they announced that they're launching a new cryptocurrency trading arm called Fidelity Digital Asset Services that will handle cryptocurrency custody and trading for its customers. Today, Boston-based asset manager responsible for $7.2 trillion in customer assets. So in addition to executing trades for its customers, the new crypto branch will also offer an offline vaulted cold storage custody solution that when paired with Fidelity's traditional security standards could become the missing link that finally lures institutional investors into the cryptocurrency market. The new subsidiary head added that it's also working with 13,000 institutional customers as of right now. The chief executive officer and chairman, Abigail Johnson, stayed true to her promise that the firm would unveil its cryptocurrency product before the year's end, adding that Fidelity's goal is to make digitally native assets such as Bitcoin more accessible to investors. Yeah, we also know Citigroup, NASDAQ, JP Morgan, and a few others are also set to explore cryptocurrency products geared toward luring institutional investors later this year and into 2019. So next up, we have Bitcoin whales aren't that scary. That's right. So according to this recent analysis by chain analysis, we have learned a lot about who they are. That's right. These whales of Bitcoin. Who are they? So 33% of them are traders. That's right. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine whales that are traders, averaging around 33.1%. Miners and first users, the people that got in first for Bitcoin, there's approximately one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 of those people. And 21% are actually lost wallets. And then another 12% make up criminals. And these are all the whales. There's only 32 of them. Kind of, kind of crazy. It's actually really crazy when you think about it. So there has been a widespread belief that whales manipulate prices, and it was never confirmed. It is also clear that there are relatively few traders among the whales. By the way, three of them operate only on Asian exchanges. Many Bitcoin wallets, which appear in the rich lists on the internet and become the subject of discussion by amateurs, have nothing to do with the whales. These are the wallets of stock exchanges and other commercial organizations. So this is some interesting analysis by chain analysis. Um, You know, I guess we can sort of trust it. Um, Again, go out there and do your own research. But this is, you know, this is information, I guess. Right. Good information. Maybe we'll see. Next up, we have 
Tether. So we have done a podcast in the past about Tether. And um, I think I warned everybody not to use Tether. <laughs> so it turns out Tether continues to be a point for worry for most crypto traders as trust dwindles. So is Tether actually stable and trustworthy? When we did the <laughs> Thriller podcast episode on Tether, I remember saying I wouldn't trust it. I don't I don't use Tether. Um, I had recommended just leaving it in Bitcoin, but, you know, to each their own. Well, on Monday, October 15th, 2018, which is today, we saw a sudden rise in prices, cryptocurrencies while Tether languished, loading some traders with losses while propelling Bitcoin to its biggest gain in more than three weeks. Tether, the so-called stablecoin used as a substitute for the U.S. currency on crypto exchanges around the world, broke its pairing with the U.S. dollar and slipped to as low as 85 cents, clearly showing rising distrust among investors. The so-called stablecoin touched 85 cents on U.S.-based venue Kraken, Transactions on Binance, one of the world's most active platforms for Tether, recently implied a price of 96 cents. So this led Bitcoin prices to jump to close to 7,000 across the exchange and nearly 7,400 on Binance as Tether holds holders shifted into alternate virtual currencies. Now, despite having skeptics, myself included, Tether's coins have played an outsized role on cryptocurrency exchanges. They were the second most traded among all digital currencies after Bitcoin as of October 15th, according to data compiled by CoinMarketCap. While there are so many other stable coins out there, no one comes close to what Tether has done in its popularity and reach. And, you know, we could go on and on about this, but there are a lot more stable coins coming out here in the very near future. Reserve is one of them that's backed by Peter Thiel. And there's a, quite a few other ones that just got released, like Gemini is one of them, um, PAX. Um, so it, it's one of those where we will have to see exactly how this plays out. I personally don't keep any money in Tether. I'd rather leave it in Bitcoin and take my chances. But um, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's going to be fine. But uh, I know some people choose to use Tether and to each their own. Go out there and do your own research. And if you're interested at all to finding out more information about Tether, check our podcast. Um, we should have it probably about 10 or 20 episodes back. And that's all we got for news. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into our interesting video of the day. Let's do it. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. So today's interesting video is Charles Hoskinson, and we just had him on the show maybe about two weeks ago, I believe. And uh, we found out this past weekend on Friday specifically that Cardano Foundation was separating from IOHK. And I know that sounds confusing and I know that sounds scary, but instead of me trying to explain it, <laughs> let's let Charles explain it. Here is his video. Um, the fundamentals of Cardano are still sound. Uh, nothing materially has changed today or yesterday from where we were at the day before. In the beginning, uh, the Cardano ecosystem was formed on the back of three entities. There was a Mergo, IOHK, and the Cardano Foundation. So uh, unlike a standard foundation, which issues the token, does the sale, hires the developers, negotiates the exchange listings, builds applications, encourages businesses to adopt, uh, we decided that if we went down that road, uh, 
there would be too much centralization and too much tendency to keep the ecosystem uh, centralized. So it made more sense to break it into three different entities. So IWHK does the science and the engineering side. Amergo does the business relationships and the depth funding and these things. So what you would look at traditionally consensus doing for Ethereum. And uh, the foundation does the rest. In that case, that's things like community management, community outreach, regulatory outreach. When people ask, why aren't we on a Japanese exchange? Well, that takes lobbying, and that's the job of the Cardano Foundation, uh, as well as things like just being that golden source of truth for information. Uh, so what is Cardano? Why is it good? Uh, who should use it? Uh, you know, and uh, if there's a hack or an event, uh, you know, having a common place to go. So one of our frustrations over the last two years has been that the foundation is not really fit for purpose in the way that it's structured, the governance it currently has. And there's really two foundations in one. There's the mid-levels like Tom Kelly and John and Lay and the rest. And those guys are do working hard and, and they're trying as, as well as they can with the funding they have, the budget they have, and the time and access they have to, to keep the Cardano community informed and uh, moderate the channels. And then there's the executive management at the top, which at the time of foundation uh, was four people. It's John McGuire, Bruce Milligan, Guido, and uh, Michael Parsons. What we've witnessed over the last 15 months in particular is the board winnowed down to just two people, Michael Parsons and Guido, and eventually he was replaced with a gentleman named Pascal Schmidt. And what so happened to the two people? They, uh, McGuire left, we believe, for health reasons, and uh, Bruce resigned. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing that's a bit troubling are the relationships between people. Bruce is the son-in-law of Michael, and Michael's apparently also having his wife do material things there. Uh, and the, the initial goal was for the foundation to have a board of five to seven. So a very diverse board representing the interests of the community, someone from Japan, someone from Africa. Mm -hmm. So our target market, as well as domain experts like science experts, engineering experts. So it could really act as that effective community representative. In addition to that, we also need a strong executive director, and that executive director would be responsible for carrying out the mandate of the foundation. Never really materialized. So we said, well, you know, these things are hard. They take time. You know, by design, a Swiss foundation is a little slow. So we were well more than willing to wait and pick up the slack in the meantime. Where things started deteriorating was when the foundation started weaponizing its trademark and uh, using the trademark in ways that we felt was counterproductive for the ecosystem. Mm. It's, a, it's a first really important to understand that the trademark for Cardano doesn't give you gatekeeper or guardianship access where you get to decide who builds on Cardano or not. It's, it's preposterous. No trademark gives you that kind of right over a cryptocurrency protocol. But we had events, for example, the most notable was when we went to Ethiopia, we invited the foundation to attend. They agreed up until a week before we went, they were going to go with us. Uh, and they, they, and they us didn't to go to Ethiopia London. for a business trip like yeah. that. It gets even better. So we were going to go to Ethiopia, the first government in the world to acknowledge Cardano, sign an MOU with us. They backed out. We said, okay. So IOHK signed it. And then we got a, just an incredible email from Guido basically saying, hey, uh, you didn't tell us you were going here, which is a lie. Uh, and, uh, you know, we don't feel that uh, the representations being made about your relationship with the ecosystem are accurate. We need to work with Emergo to decide how the media and, the, and other people should represent things. Uh, and, and we just lost it at that point. We said, look, we're not going to work with you guys in any capacity uh, until you publish a fair use policy for the trademark. So we spent weeks cutting off all communication with them. This was a few months back. Uh, and eventually they did publish a fair use policy. But this is what our relationship has been like for the past year, where uh, they haven't really collaborated or cooperated with us on a lot of things. They spend money in odd ways, like with the FP Complete Audit, auditing code we're replacing and publishing reports, which 
have no purpose to the ecosystem, or things like millions of dollars on the Distributed Futures Research Program, which make absolutely no sense. But I guess the people on that have a pre-existing business relationship with Michael. He's worked with Bob and oh, Michael no, Minnelli so before. See, the nepotism gets even worse. Not only they're... Yeah, right. Wow, and, that's, and so, that's, that's absolutely and, crazy. And, and so, you know, what we did was we said, enough. Amergo and IOHK, we have well more enough money to cover what the foundation was intended to do. We're just going to move on out. And, uh, you know, it's our life work. So we're, we're going to pick up the slack, hire our own community managers, and uh, pretend like they don't exist. We'll do what we can to try to affect meaningful change there. And there's a regulatory apparatus in Switzerland. It's called mm -hmm. ESA. And uh, we'll, we'll work within the confines of what leverage we have to try to affect change. But if that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's not going to impact the Cardano project. It doesn't slow down development. They don't control IOHK's money. I, I do. Mm -hmm. They don't control Emergo's money. Ken Kodama does. So uh, we're, we're completely independent, autonomous. And we set up the structure that way so that if one of the three failed, the other two could compensate for that. Kind of like when, when your kidneys goes bad, the other kidney wakes up and uh, compensates <laughs> for the load. So, so you still have uh, two of the three pillars of Cardano holding holding everything up. Now, in that open letter, you asked, I believe, did you ask for the, him to resign, essentially? I think at this point, given what he was supposed to do and given his age, his experience, and obviously his lack of passion. I mean, for two years, he didn't even put chairman of the Cardano Foundation on his LinkedIn page. And if you look at his Twitter feed, uh, you know, there's very little about our ecosystem and there's very little publicity. It doesn't go and talk to the media. It doesn't really do much for us. It's clear to me that he, he's just not really in the game. And that's okay. Uh, but if you're not in the game, you are working for the people of Cardano. You need you to get out of the game. You should be the foundation. <laughs> really. And I guarantee you, you can find a thousand people who want that job in a heartbeat. and They'd be very passionate and excited to have it. So for the best interests of the community, it's about time for a clean slate. Mm -hmm. in our view, uh, so for the books to be clean and financial transparency. So publish data address, publish remuneration of the executive officers and how they've spent their money because they are an audited public entity. Uh, and then for a new board to be appointed. And we made some recommendations. Someone should be from Japan. 90% of the initial ADA distribution was there. They need fair representation. You know, someone should be from Africa. We have a pan-African strategy for adoption. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we could probably have people from Latin America, from Europe, and from uh, North America. And that's already five. Uh, and then beyond that, there needs to be domain experts. Yeah, it's around a 15, I think, 20-minute video. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, check out CryptoLark's channel. He does a really great job um, when it comes to, um, you know, looking at a lot of cryptocurrency. So I definitely like what he does there. Um, but I, I think my kind of two cents on it, just because, you know, I feel like um, feel like I have to explain how I look at this. Um, I feel like Charles Hoskinson just... The, the little bit of time that I spent with him talking to him, I can tell that he's very passionate. I can tell that he's very driven. And I can tell that he is just on another level when it comes to pace. And I totally understand where he's coming from because in a lot of ways, I have that kind of same mentality uh, to a fault sometimes. But um, I think also, I think other people that were maybe going a little bit slower than he would like kind of influenced this decision and it made it very easy for him to um yeah to move on and um of course this is going to hurt the cryptocurrency ada short term i definitely feel like it, it went down to seven cents i think it touched six maybe i'm not sure um and uh, i think long term this is the right approach and this is the right strategy and i do feel like looking back three years from now 
he'll actually say looking at this point was the time where it needed to be done and he did it and we're already in a bear in a bear market right now so what better time than to do it than now and i think he saw this being a, a, a i wouldn't say a headache but a problem in the future and uh, that's kind of what I took from it. But then again, I'm super biased on Charles, you know, and Cardano and IOHK because I am a fan. I am a fan um, of, of what he's creating and what he's building. And I think he's brilliant. So do not take my advice on it. Um, go out there and do your own research on it for sure, uh, especially if you're holding some, you know, ADA. But um, that's just my two cents on it. I think it's going to be fine long term. I think the short term. It's definitely going to hurt it, but what better time than now? And then you can look back later and say, good thing we did it early. <laughs> With that, let's go ahead and jump into coin talk. A lot of you are wondering what I'm thinking. Well, I'm about to tell you. Let's do it. Coin talk. Starting now. It is time. Only crypto, coins, trades, predictions ahead. It is what you spend all day wondering, isn't it? Center for Coin Talk, but before we jump into that, got a couple things I want to share. So we went to Hoshicon last week. It was so much fun. I had a blast. Everybody at Hosho was super nice. Gabe, Hartej, um, the dozen of other staff that I met, super nice people. Um, had so much fun. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, we got to meet him. He made a special appearance in our Telegram this past weekend. <laughs> so special shout out to Andreas for doing that. That was cool. And then, um, yeah, it's just a, it was just a great time. Uh, I highly recommend you guys check out our YouTube channel. We did a, a lot of live streams from there and a lot of video coverage from there. And what was really surprising is we met three people that were fans of Thrower Podcast there at HoshaCon. So that was cool meeting them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a overwhelming uh, amount of support from everybody in, in, in the community. Um, so thank you to everybody that, you know, reached out to me in direct message or PM me or was there and, you know, was super excited to meet me. I was just excited to meet a lot of y'all. That was cool. And, uh, we also did a, um, we also did a, uh, we also covered the party for HoshaCon which was on Thursday night, I believe. I think it was Thursday night. Yeah, so if you guys want to check that out, that's actually on our Periscope, which is our Twitter. Um, we did a live stream there. I think that's the only place that it's not blocked on. I think YouTube blocked it immediately. <laughs> they blocked it in every country, but Periscope still has it up. So you can check out that. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then we also did some podcasts for our Patreon only, and we're going to give out some gifts for our Patreon only subscribers as well, too. So it's just a lot of fun. It was uh, it was really cool staying in Vegas. The mountains over there are beautiful. The people are really nice. Uh, we posted a lot on our Instagram and kind of just shared a lot of moments that we, that I had, you know. And then we also did ACL this weekend, too. We also shared a lot of videos from ACL that we covered over the weekend. We saw Metallica, Lil Wayne, all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, music is very much a big part of this podcast. I know a lot of people hate it because of that, and some people like it. But either way, you know, music's a big part of my life, and I like to have that in the podcast. I feel like that's necessary for me uh, as, a, as a human. 
<laughs> and uh, I just love I just love music, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank everybody for for their support and for, you know, all kinds of encouragement. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, also wanted to thank actually we just recently because we've been doing this thing where we have like links in our show notes for like different stuff that you guys can get for free, um, like bat tokens and stuff like that. And BTC and square and stuff like that. Um, I guess a lot of people have been clicking on the free bat tokens because <laughs> when, when it came this month, because we usually like what will happen is we get a kickback whenever somebody uh, downloads the brave browser and uh, we had a crap ton of bat tokens. But instead of me <laughs> converting, converting the bat, I convert it into BTC almost immediately. And then it goes into our, our crypto wallet. And it's awesome because now I can I basically have everybody downloading, you know, the Brave browser and it's helping us accumulate more Bitcoin. So that way we can give it out on, on our monthly giveaway. So it's kind of it's kind of working itself out. And I was really surprised because I had really don't even mention that at all. Like, I don't think I ever did. But it, when it came through this month, I was like, holy crap. I was like, wow, this is enough for our next monthly giveaway. So don't necessarily have to pay out of pocket no more. <laughs> so that was cool. So I, I also added on there, there's a new exchange coming out. It's called Voyager. And it's going to be a pretty neat exchange, according to the people that are um, talking about it. I know Ethos has partnered with them. And then there's another, um, I think it's Uber, I believe. One of the co-founders of Uber is starting it as well, too. They're actually giving out free $25 Bitcoin. And at first I thought that was kind of like, eh, I don't trust it. But then I clicked on it and then it said, you got $25. But the exchange isn't open until like another month or two, or at least by the end of the year. So if you click on that link below inside the show notes, you actually get $25 of Bitcoin. And then I get $25 of Bitcoin. And then I can turn around and give that away on our monthly giveaway because I think in December, um, I really want to give away a lot of cryptocurrency for everybody in our newsletter. And um, I would really, really appreciate it if you guys clicked on that stuff. So that way, you know, I wouldn't have to pay so much money out of pocket. Uh, I'm going to do it anyway, regardless. So I'll just have to save my pennies. But <laughs> uh, but if uh, if you guys can help and contribute and signing up, you know, to any of those 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 free stuff that we give away, you know, in our show notes, um, that would help out a lot because that would alleviate a lot of the costs that I'm probably going to have to spend in December. And the way it looks like, it's not going to be a, a well, we'll talk about it more in Coin Talk, but it's looking like it's going to be a bear market. So um, for the foreseeable future, so that could be potentially a lot of money. Uh, but anyways, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I, I do it for y'all. But if you want to help out, by all means, click on that stuff. Um, and then also, there's a couple people that have recommended uh, Decreed, or is it Decred? I think it's Decred, to come on the show. We're trying to work with them to get them on the show. There's also, uh, we're also trying to get somebody from Dash to come on the show as well, too. So we're working hard on that. So I definitely hear y'all uh, with the emails uh, asking me to get uh, some of those, um, you know, people on uh, for the from those communities. I am working on it. <laughs> I'm trying as best as I can. So I hear you most definitely. And then I also want to thank all our patrons because a lot of you uh, gave uh, this month and I, I really, really appreciate it. And I thank you so much for, you know, contributing to Twitter podcast. It's because of y'all that we're able to even give away, you know, monthly giveaways and stuff like that. So 
Really, really appreciate y'all. And then I also want to thank all the people that have been leaving iTunes reviews. You know, that goes a long way. It really does. It helps us get a lot of um, new guests on that we necessarily wouldn't be able to get. So by you leaving more iTunes reviews, five-star ratings, that helps us, you know, get Charles Hoskinson, possibly Andreas Antonopoulos. I've reached out to him, hopefully, and uh, we'll see. But, you know, having uh, really good iTunes reviews and really good um, podcasts with that helps out a lot. But uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into Coin Talk, because I know a lot of you are wondering... Roll the disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, it's time for Coin Talk, y'all's favorite segment. I know it is because you tell me <laughs> um, if there ever was a time that you're wondering, you know, I always listen to Carr. I don't care what he says. He's always right. And he always calls it like it is. And he's just right time and time again. If there ever was a time when that is absolutely not true, it is now. It is not true. This is why we have that disclaimer. This is why I tell you go out there doing your own research. This is why I tell you not to trust me. This is why I tell you no one knows anything when it comes to coin market cap. I look at it every day and I study it and I still feel like sometimes I don't know anything. Okay. With that said, let's talk about the coin market cap. <laughs> let's talk about the coin market cap. No, seriously, like it's really upsetting to me. It's really upsetting to me because, you know. I thought we were going to be okay. I really did. And for the most part, we kind of still are. But I'll tell you the reasons why we're not first. And then I'll tell you the reasons why we are. So the reasons why we're not is because of this major drop that happened last week. And this was during the same time the stock market went down as well, too. So a lot of people are correlating it to that. But, you know, we got below $200 billion, And that was something that we weren't supposed to do at least in October. We got to 197, 197 billion on Thursday. And I don't know if you recall me saying this, I said this like two or three weeks ago that no way we're going under 200 billion the rest of the year. Well, turns out I was wrong. We did go, we went to 197. Now we didn't get as low as we did, you know, a, a, a couple weeks back or in September where we went back to that, you know, that all time low of 189 or 188, I think it was. Um, no, 187. I'm sorry. That was in September. And then, of course, in August, when we reached that really big bottom that was around there, too, as well as well as like 189, 188. Now, I didn't for see us getting us getting us back to under 200 billion. But now that that's happened, um, I, I think I think we're in for a lot more pain, <laughs> you know, and it sucks saying that um, I, it really does, because it turns out, you know, that a lot of people that were predicting this bear market was not going to go away. It turned out to be right. And we're able to find this out because in October, everything goes um, sideways or goes slowly up. And the fact that we had a major dip tells us that. Even though cryptocurrency might be a different market than the stock market, it is still not something that is invisible. Not yet. And 
the fact that the one stock market can have a dip and then the cryptocurrency market can have a dip the very same day shows you a lot how this space is starting to become. And it's kind of scary because I feel like in the past that would never happen, but um, it's happening now. So that's different, right? And a lot of people aren't really, well, I think there's a couple people that mentioned that, but a lot of people aren't kind of paying attention to that. I I necessarily see that. I, I, it has me, I definitely, definitely have a new appreciation for, um, for uh, taking stuff for granted, um, especially when it comes to predicting you know, the coin market cap. But um, some of the good. So let me tell you some of the good. So some of the good was that, you know, we got, we got close. It was 198, um, 198 billion coin market cap. And that was on Thursday. That That's, I mean, it's close to 200. It's not bad. We didn't get back to 189 or 188. So that's good, right? Uh, we immediately were able to jump out out of that yesterday or yesterday evening, uh, which is Sunday evening. Um, uh, that was at 212 billion, I believe it was. And now we're kind of somewhere in between 211, 210 billion currently right now. Um, what's troubling to me is, you know, I was very bullish on this being very much like, you know, 2016. Turns out it's not going to go the way we thought it was. Uh, yeah, it's not going to go the way we thought it was. Uh, it's not looking like 2016 right now. Um, not even close. Um, you know, I, I thought if we were going to see a dip, we were going to see a dip in November once it reached a certain uh you know, coin market cap, I thought maybe, okay, we'll get to 300 billion coin market cap by the end of October. And then we'll see a nice size dip in the beginning of November. And that's just people cashing in and then we'll go for another run. Um, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Uh, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I think what we're seeing now is exactly what Tone said. And that's 2014 all over again. I think um, I think we are I think we are in 2014, and if that's the case, then we're going to be in this for a long time. Um, yeah, it sucks. It really sucks, really bad, and it's something that I had to come to realization with. I think if I, I think I will know for sure if it, if we go to if we hit another dip here um, in the coming days or in the coming weeks, then we will know for a fact that's where we're in. There's a lot of people that are saying that it's going to go the other way, that we're going to get out of this. Um, this is reminiscent of 2017, but uh, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I feel like if if we would have seen a steady rise, and even if it was going sideways like the way it was, it was around around 210, 213, it was just going sideways. Even if we would have went back down to, you know, 205 or something. But the fact that we broke uh, under the 200 billion dollar market cap, I, that kind of told me that. You know, there is um, there is more bottom down there. And, you know, I don't I don't look at technical analysis. I, I look at the crypto history. I, I go by what I see on a daily basis in regards to news. You know, I also look at the coin market cap um, as a whole. I know a lot of people will tend just to look at Bitcoin. I, I think I think that's beneficial, of course. Um, but me, I look at the coin market cap as a whole. I know some people don't really care for that, but I do. Um, so that's why I, I think as a whole, I think we are. And then another another reason, okay, this is probably one of the biggest things that I was kind of in that kind of, um, you know, that, that kind of zone that I'm in right now in regards to it being a bear market. Um, just because we had 0x that got released on Friday and there was nothing. 
there was no pump. There was no kind of rise. I think it got to 88 cents and then it, it, it tailed off. But if you remember when it got first announced um, that it was possibly being looked at, it got to a dollar 25, I believe it was. So that that again told me that, you know, we are we are in trouble um, because the fact that Coinbase can't even move the market anymore. And it kind of looked like one of those things where when it was announced on Friday, it kind of looked like a desperate move from Coinbase trying to. And then even Gemini came out with a Litecoin um, uh, release uh, that weekend, too, as well, too. And our announcement that Friday, I believe it was or Saturday, it was um, it, it looked like a Hail Mary they were throwing to try to get this market, you know, back up and running. And it, it just uh, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. I mean, we're back up now. That's good. But um, it looked like multiple, you know, exchanges were trying to, well, Coinbase and Gemini were trying to get this market turned around and um, it just it just wasn't happening. And then it doesn't help that there's this um, doom, Dr. Doom, I believe they're calling him a whole lot of Twitter crap. I, I don't even like talking about it. That's why I'm not even talking about it in our news because I don't think it's newsworthy. There's a whole lot of that going on, too, as well. So there's a lot of FUD in regards to what he's talking about. Um but the way I look at it long term, I think I think uh, I think we are still in this bear market and I think we're going to be in this for the foreseeable future. I don't if it, if it keeps going the way it does and like zero X is a perfect example of no pump happening uh, on Coinbase. That kind of sucks. That was kind of what we were expecting. We were kind of expecting that zero X was going to hit or some Coinbase digital asset was going to get launched and we were going to see some rise but that didn't even happen so that tells me that uh, no one cares about you know you know purchasing any new coin or even you know rallying around a coinbase release anymore the fire has died out um and i hate to be kind of a you know a, a a bummer right now but um i've just come to terms with it i guess i had a long i had a long flight i was able to, no seriously i was able to I was able to really think about it. And I, I, uh, and you know me, I'm a pretty positive guy. And, I, you know, I'm still positive on the whole cryptocurrency market as a whole. I'm positive about the technology even more. I'm, I'm even more positive about Ethereum and Bitcoin coming out of this conference last week. Um, but as, I, as, I, as everybody who has said this, who, have, who has been in this space a lot longer than I have, they all said the same thing we just go through this bear market and this is bear market that we go through. And then we have another kind of breath that goes up and then we go through another bear market and just the way it is. And I didn't want to believe that. I felt like, okay, wheels are rolling. We're going to keep going, but I don't think so. I think what we're seeing here is still a bear market. I think we're going to be fine. I don't think we're going to go any lower than, you know, it could be wrong, so don't take this as fact, but I don't think we can go any lower than 188. I hope not. I hope we stay above 200 billion. I think if we stay above 200 billion coin market cap, I think we'll be fine. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for, you know, an actual, uh, you know, unless you're shorting or, or, or going long on Bitcoin, I don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to make money in this space right now, unless you're a daily trader, you know, gambling at, you know, at a certain point. And there's some people out there that can do that. And, you know, by all means, keep doing it. <laughs> but uh, for a lot for a vast majority of us, you know, who are who, who just hold their cryptocurrencies or, you know, choose to spend it. Um, 
I think I think you're only going to see some of these. And there's one coming up right now, too. I don't know if you heard, but I hate to, <laughs> I hate to talk about this this cryptocurrency because I feel like it hasn't lived up to a lot of its hype. But Tron is Justin Sun has came out and said there's a partnership of a partnership pre-announcement saying that he is he is actually going to partner with somebody that is a billion dollar industry giant in this space. People have been speculating that it's Ripple or that it's Alibaba or it's Baidu. Who knows what it is? But um, he has said this. He has come out on Twitter and said this. So, of course, Tron is going up. It's up 5%. It went up, I think, to close to three cents when he announced this. Um, So, yeah, if, if you're looking for something to pump here this week, Tron might be the one, depending on what the announcement is. But um, usually you want to buy the rumor and then sell the news. So we'll see if it starts pumping here. I think they're supposed to release some kind of news on Thursday. So we'll see what happens with that. So that's definitely happening this week. And then, of course, Litecoin is on Gemini now. So that's good for Litecoin. And then, of course, we have 0x on Coinbase. Um, That's going to get launched on the Coinbase Blue app here in the next couple of weeks. But for the most part, I feel like Bitcoin is something that I'm still buying even at this price point. I think you would be a fool not to. Uh, the only reason I say that is because if you look at the news every day, like we do here on Through Our Podcast, and you're paying attention to what's going on in this space, you realize that these institutional investors that come in this space, either in at the end of this year or in, in early 2019, or whenever they do come in, there's going to be a FOMO for a lot of them. And um, that's going to cause the price of Bitcoin to surge. And that is why I'm bullish on Bitcoin short term and long term, because I do feel there is going to be room for it. And um, one of the main things that Max Kaiser was talking about was hard money and how Bitcoin has it in spades. And um, hearing him talk about it, I I really come to realize that, um, you know, people underestimate Bitcoin. And um, I think when you do that... You're going to be really surprised when it it uh, it shocks you again, because it shocked me before. I've seen it rise, you know, and um, I've gotten shocked before by it. But um, seeing the potential of it now, I know I know it's been at six thousand for a while now. And people are like, oh, will it ever get past seven? Well, it did yesterday evening briefly. But um I do think that holding Bitcoin and buying it as much as you can right now is a smart play. I do, I do, I do believe in Ethereum even more coming out of a blockchain security conference. You know, smart contracts are going to play a big part of this financial future and it's going to potentially decentralize everything. And that leads us to our main topic today. Today we are talking back to the blockchain future. That's right. It's a play on Back to the Future. I know, I know, I know. But seriously, let's get back to the basics. Let's talk about blockchain and let's talk about your and what it could become. Main topic, starting now.
The future of blockchain technology is inevitable. Decentralization and blockchain are at the forefront of what's building this next wave. This next wave of everyone giving a fuck. With technology likely to have the greatest impact on the future of the world economy has arrived. It's not self-driving cars, solar energy, or artificial intelligence. It's called the blockchain. Blockchain technology is the underlining framework that drives Bitcoin and other digital currencies. It has the potential to go far beyond this and record virtually everything of value to humankind from birth and death certificates to insurance claims and even votes. But why should you care? Why should you really care? Well, maybe you're a music lover who wants artists to make a living off their art or a consumer who wants to know where that hamburger meat came from. Perhaps you're an immigrant who's sick of paying big fees to send money home to loved ones, or an entrepreneur looking for a new platform to build a business. And those are examples of barely the tip of the iceberg. This technology is public, encrypted, and readily available for anyone to use. It's already seeing widespread adoption in a number of areas. In blockchain, there will be winners and losers. And while the opportunities are abound, the risks of disruption and dislocation must not be ignored. Blockchain is here and it's here to stay. Take a listen to George Gilder. He's an American investor, writer, economist, and co-founder of the Discovery Institute. He explains why the next revolution will be blockchain and why the last revolution had more to do with Marxism than anything else. Well, a lot of people don't really understand what Marxism was. The key error of Marxism was Karl Marx's belief that the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century was a final human attainment, a kind of eschaton, that uh, the problem of productivity and wealth creation had been solved forever. The end of and, history of his day, so to speak. Yeah, and from then on, uh, the only challenge would be how to distribute wealth rather than how to create it. Well, Google Marxism just repeats uh, Karl Marx's error with the new technology. Uh, Google believes that their AI, artificial intelligence, their machine learning, their robotics, their algorithmic biology, their search uh, and their solutions uh, constitute a new eschaton, a new final achievement of human beings. It's even more grandiose than Carl's original vision and that the Google people imagine a singularity where the machines will eclipse human minds and allow all of the rest of us to retire on beaches and, and collect a guaranteed annual income, the new fashion in Silicon Valley while Brennan Page uh, fly off with Elon Musk to some remote planet in a winner-take-all universe. And I just, uh, 
I think this is delusional. Uh, uh, Google faces impossible business problems, uh, contradictions in their strategy, flaws in their technology, uh, misunderstandings of the very computer science that underlie all their technology. I, th I think uh, Google uh, uh, Google is having a nervous breakdown. We're afraid of being hacked. We get e we get alerts from Google itself saying, Constant. "Were you this user? Was that you who checked in and uh, changed your yeah. password?" The feeling that we're naked before who knows unknown faceless enemy. That's yeah. the security problem yeah. they're avoiding because if they give things away for free, security patches yeah. are good enough. That's yeah. the pro that's, that's the point. That's, yeah, but the fact is. Uh, security is not a video game. Uh, security is an architecture. And uh, the existing computer architecture of which Google is the paramount exponent is failing. Okay. It's uh, filling the internet with clutter. It's uh, failing with uh, the smartphone. 30% uh, of your payments uh, for smartphone services go to download ads that you don't want to see. Want. Uh, you really don't want these ads on your smartphones. They are not uh, ads, they are minuses. And uh, only 0.06% of these smartphone ads are clicked on. And uh, according to surveys, 50% of these clicks, approximately, are an error. Right. So only 0.03% of smartphone ads are actually desired. And, and this is, uh, and this is a, a catastrophe. This is, this is not a viable business. And uh, Google is running come into the end of the line in smartphone advertising. It's trying to move from search, where it, uh, it serves the rest of the internet, to solutions, where Google is the answer man in the sky, and it's AI, with its increasing accumulation of big data, can answer all your questions. Uh, but that is, uh, that's where I um, make the charge of delusional state. All right, the new system of the world. Again, life after Google. The, this very lack of concern with security will be Google's undoing. For every other player on the net, every other player on the net, the lack of security is the most relevant threat to its current business model. This problem will be solved. So fundamental will security be to the new system that its very name will be derived from it. It will be the cryptocosm. Explain that term. The cryptocosm is, refers to this amazing providential efflorescence of creativity that's erupted all around the world to supply a new architecture for the internet and indeed ultimately a new architecture for the entire world economy. At a very time that the system of central banks with its $5.1 trillion a day of currency trading that doesn't even arrive at settled currency values or significant currency values. And the architecture of the internet, which uh, 
uh, requires you to expose yourself, strip naked virtually before the cameras in order to conduct a transaction. You have to, your passwords, pins, your usernames, your last four numbers of your social security, uh, your mother's maiden name, your first school, your favorite pet, your, you know, this, your irises, your uh, DNA, you know, this method of, of uh, authenticating people to participate in internet transactions is bankrupt. Uh, they, they may imagine that this is a viable system, but it isn't. It is, it is failing every day, and it's going to be replaced by the cryptocosm, by the blockchain, right. by a whole s series of technologies deriving from the blockchain. Right. So but, but I, I, I want to use security is I'm quoting again. Security is not a procedure or a mechanism. It is an architecture. The cryptocosm will start by defining the ground state. You don't build the building. You build the foundation, the ground state. It is the ultimate non-random reality. The ground state is you. Yeah. The ground state is you. Explain that. Well, the ground state uh, in the cryptocosm is, is your uh, your private key, uh, which uh, validates you as your DNA identifies you. It's uh, so. This is not. A, this isn't. A, this isn't. You, you're not overreaching for the sake of argument. You are saying that in the cryptocosm, blockchain technology will permit us all to have some kind of unimpeachable ID, which is as as individual to us and as undecryptable as our DNA. Correct. Okay. Wow. All right. And it, you'd better explain, it's, and here I brace, yeah. here I'm just going to hold the table with both yeah. hands. You'd better explain for the layman. Yeah. I'll give you a short paragraph. Yeah. Blockchain. Okay. What is blockchain? Make Block me understand Blockchain that, is a new architecture, new security architecture for the internet that, this, that allows you to keep your information to yourself. And uh, it distributes all the personal information all across the uh, network, just as human intelligence is distributed across the world uh, in individual human brains. It's not agglomerated in giant data clumps. It's uh, human intelligence is distributed. The blockchain distributes personal data uh, rather than concentrating it in one of the few big walled gardens, Google, like Facebook, okay. concentrating it and, and then uh, forcing you to petition to the uh, big centralized database for the right to be yourself on the internet. It, it, uh, it's a distributed uh, way of uh, you keep your data to yourself and use whatever data you need uh, to conduct a particular transaction. But it's, it's, it's as it, it originated as a form of money, Bitcoin. Right. right. But it's, and it's often compared to cash because it seems to allow anonymity. Yes. But the, but it's really better than cash, it's it's a major step forward beyond cash, because not only does it allow you to 
conduct anonymous transactions. It also enables you to demonstrate your behavior and your transactions unimpeachably if you have to, to the IRS, to a prosecutor, to Preet Bahara, or whoever it may be. You, uh, the blockchain gives you an immutable record that, that allows you to document your behavior. And, and it, it's always seemed to me that the key thing isn't uh, really privacy, isn't really as critical as being able to prove that you didn't do something that, that uh, a government wants to charge you with doing. You know, that uh, the ability to, of attestation is an important advance that the blockchain offers, both in third world countries and, and in the United States. It has been said that the fourth industrial revolution of humankind will build upon the digital revolution that represented new ways in which technology becomes embedded within societies and even the human body. The fourth industrial revolution is marked by emerging technology breakthroughs like blockchain, autonomous vehicles, 3D printing, the internet of things, nanotechnology, quantum computing, biotechnology, artificial intelligence, and robotics. Take a listen to Don Tapscott as he talks about this new revolution called the blockchain. That the underlying technology of Bitcoin called the blockchain is a massive distributed ledger that holds huge, vast opportunity. And I think what we're talking about is a new platform for the creation of value and wealth and for social justice for the next 40 years. We've had the first 40, we're moving into the next. Now in 1994, a famous cryptographer named Nick Zabo wrote a paper called The God Protocol. And he speculated, what, what would it be like to have a protocol that was essentially God? That you could put inputs into this thing, rather than a traditional uh, institution, and it would determine what the truth was. And the outputs would be transactions that would be valid. Well, it was a fascinating concept, and he actually discussed some of the math around it. What we have today is what Alex and I call the trust protocol. And here's how it works. If I'm sending you some money, let's say some Bitcoin, we'll start with Bitcoin, $100. I'm actually not sending you a file. That's a representation of that money. It's an entry in a distributed database running across many, many computers. And that money is, is protected through the highest levels of encryption. And every 10 minutes, like the heartbeat of a network, a vast community called miners establishes what has occurred. They achieve consensus about what's, what has been the truth in those last 10 minutes. And they do that by, to make a long story short, solving a complex mathematical problem. And once that block is established, it's cast in concrete. So if I wanted to go and try and send the same money 
to somebody else called the double payment problem, I would have to hack that database. Not just on a single computer using the highest levels of encryption, but across many, many computers simultaneously. And I'd have to hack it for that block, but because it's linked to the previous block, and the previous block, I'd have to hack the entire history of commerce on that blockchain. This is not practically feasible. So this is an extraordinary thing, a protocol to establish trust, not through centralized institutions, but through clever code and mass collaboration. So this technology, blockchain technology, it turns out, will transform all of these previous technologies of the first era of the internet. You'll hear more about that today. Now, just to be clear, the Bitcoin blockchain is one of many blockchains. It's the biggest currently, but there are others. Um, Ethereum is a blockchain that has some very important characteristics that the Bitcoin blockchain does not have. It enables developers and other people to create applications easily on this blockchain. And I sat at a, an or I spoke at an Ethereum conference in London, and I walked in, it was an impromptu uh, speech that I gave, I walked in there, and the room held about, I don't know, 400 people, there must have been 600 people in the room, all developers, and in the audience were people reinventing the stock market, transforming, creating a new music industry where musicians get compensated for the value they create, there were people creating a black box identity, People basically building applications that could transform almost every institution in society. The internet in 2009. It was an individual, or maybe it was a group, communicating under the name Satoshi Nakamoto that brought Bitcoin. Satoshi's breakthrough with money was to provide social scalability via trust, minimization, reducing vulnerability to counterparties and third parties alike. When we can secure the most important functionality of a financial network by computer science, rather than by traditional accountants, regulators, investigators, police and lawyers, we go from a system that is manual, local, and of inconsistent security to one that is automated, global, and much more secure. Cryptocurrencies, when implemented properly on public blockchains, can substitute an army of computers for a large number of traditional banking bureaucrats. These blockchain computers will allow us to put the most crucial parts of our online protocols on a far more reliable and secure footing make possible fiduciary interactions that we previously dared not do on a global network. That is by Nick Sosbo. Genius.
that an open source version of the Unix operating system was as good, but probably better, than the closed source Sun operating system that they used. I had to persuade them that they could use these systems to replace their proprietary servers, file servers, network servers, firewalls, routers, etc. The bottom line is that this technology is interesting because for the first time in history, it takes one of humanity's oldest technologies, which is money, and one of the most important aspects of human behavior, which is trust, and it embeds these in an open, interoperable network protocol without central control. This has never happened before. And with that, let's get on to the end of the show.
right, ladies and gentlemen, another episode is finished. That's right, Thor Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with Thor Coin Talk. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's It seems like it's a little rough out there, but when days like this happen, when it, the market's down and doesn't look like it's going to have any sign of going up, you got to go back to the basics. You got to go you gotta go back to the fundamentals and realize why you're in this space in the first place. And that's blockchain technology. And that's the future of decentralization. But I always say, why Bitcoin save the world? It can fundamentally change all our lives. See you tomorrow. This is the end of the Thank you.